Peace be to you. Henry the Cobbling of Evil. Let us begin with a question. Hi everyone and welcome to Curiously Catholic, the Evangelion podcast. Evangelion's mission is to light the fire of Christ in the hearts of Catholics by sharing the truth of our faith in a compelling manner. And that involves you, so if you would like to see how you can get involved in Evangelion's mission or help out by donating, head to our website at evangelion.co.nz and check us out. If you want to be the first to find out about our events that we're running and the content we are putting out, please do subscribe to our emailing list and join our Evangelion family. However, without further ado, in this podcast, we're going to be picking the brains of Catholic enthusiasts by trying to get to the bottom of how to live a life truly as a Catholic in contemporary times. My name is Dominic Malgeri, and in this episode, we will be talking to none other than John. Sorry, I don't know how to say your last name. Uh, yeah. New end, new it's close, sorry. <laughs> just going to go with John. So um, for those of the people in New Zealand that don't know who you are, John, so give us a bit of a background. Who are you? What do you do? Yeah, so uh, I mean, by my last name, if, if anyone recognizes it, recognizes it, uh, it's Vietnamese. I uh, I have the privilege and honor to work at Sydney Catholic Youth, which is the Archdiocesan Youth Office over at the Sydney Archdiocese, and I also serve as a young adults leader uh, in Singles for Christ, my community as well. All right, so a few different things there. So you've got a. Young Adults Leader, and um, you're working in Sydney Diocese. Sydney's ginormous, right? Yeah, it's absolutely humongous. Yeah, so like when you say you work in a in the Sydney Archdiocese, you know, it's like it's like a drop in the ocean, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a speck of sand, you know, in the in the beach of, <laughs> of ministry. Well, you know. Uh, Abraham's children are more than the grains of sand on the beach and stars in the sky. So that's just, you're just one of those guys. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So uh, a bit more about you. You're, you're a Catholic. Were you a cradle Catholic? Were you a convert? Tell us a bit about you, um, your faith journey. And how did you end up uh, working in the Archdiocese? So definitely, um, yeah, how my st story started out, uh, you know, classic, yeah, cradle Catholic, uh, Vietnamese kind of Catholic. So uh, I don't know if you guys experienced that too much over in New Zealand, but kind of how I define it as uh, my parents would always drag me along, you know, to Vietnamese mass. Uh, they they kill me because I don't know Vietnamese as much as, you know, uh, most kind of Vietnamese people. And uh, yeah, got exposed to that. Uh, really, the faith was knowing about God, but not really having a relationship with him. And so I think this translated with, you know, being raised up in the uh, Catholic school system and really my relationship with God was just, you know, the, the classic guy up in the sky, you know, the old man beard, you know, pulling the strings and all these other things. Uh, it was only until uh, when I was in high school, end of, end of the year in high school, where I really had a reigniting of my faith. Uh, I joined this youth group called Youth for Christ. And it was a mind-blowing thing because it was the first time I discovered that having a relationship with God was possible. Like yeah. God was just a guy in the sky, but he was present. He was real, like he was around. And it wasn't someone that you talked to to get X, Y, and Z. You know, you, you, you pray to him and you magically win the lottery or something. But right, yeah. it was someone that you could have a, a living, breathing relationship, someone that you could um, fall in love with and receive this amazing love. 
And so, I mean, long story short, uh, got into the youth group, served the youth group, uh, really found um, a new passion uh, and vocation in my life. And yeah, just realized that uh, living my life isn't just to make money, you know, like isn't just to get all these worldly comforts, blah, blah, blah. But uh, it's possible to live a fulfilled life by serving the church and serving God. And so, I mean, flash forward, uh, got to work in ministry um, in many different places, uh, the National Office of Evangelization, uh, got to work in uh, university university chaplaincy or youth ministry in Australian Catholic University, got to be a youth minister in parish as well as in a Catholic school. Uh, and now, yeah, I find myself here at the Archdiocese. So God has really taken me on a huge roller coaster, but I've been really lucky to be exposed to many different parts of ministry. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. Um, so yeah, you're in Australia, you're Vietnamese, and are your family like first generation over from uh, Vietnam? Yeah, yep. yeah. So I was just wondering, like, what's that kind of, like culturally for you because you've got three kind of cultures going like catholicism got its own culture you've got the australian culture and then you've got the vietnamese culture at home how is that in trying to well navigate life but also like in a faith aspect yeah that's a really great question i would say uh firstly the the vietnamese kind of angle my my parents came from the vietnam war like they were refugees from the vietnam war and they have a crazy story. Uh, I don't know if I should tell it, but yeah. <laughs> you can do if you want, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, long story short, like they they never knew each other in Vietnam, but oh. how, how they met was um, my dad uh, and his family was escaping the Vietnam War and their, their ship got sunk at sea. And luckily uh, they were close enough to the Chinese shore that they got swept, but they got put into a concentration camp over in China. And eventually though, his family, him and his family uh, managed to get, uh, I think during Gough Whitlam's time, um, access to Australia. And then my mum, uh, her story is they escaped the Vietnam War, but their family wasn't as lucky because their ship sunk in the middle of the ocean right? So not near the Chinese shore, but by some miracle, and I mean, the audience will know it's a plot twist because I'm here living, yeah. breathing, was they, they managed to survive because a Chinese cruiser just happened to pass by uh, while their ship was sinking. Anyway, she got sent to Canada and how they got in touch was my auntie. So my mom's sister uh, managed to write, uh, managed, sorry, managed to meet up with my dad for some reason and she's like hey you're single like uh there's this there's this wonderful <laughs> woman. you know she's my sister anyway long story short they exchanged uh letters you know really old classic dating exchanged letters never met each other only knew each other's voice um spent you know like hundreds of dollars just talking to each other from australia canada anyway my dad decided to take a chance met her um in canada flew over brought her back and they got married uh, why I bring this up is because they came from a background that was, uh, you know, that survivalist background, that, that classic, like third world, like, you know, we went through so much so that you could have a better life mm. kind of attitude. 
And so I think that kind of seeped into uh, my Catholic faith where uh, that sense of needing to be gra- needing to be grateful, you know, because Vietnam as well, uh, the blend of all the history of Catholicism and, and, and the Vietnamese culture. I mean, I'm not an expert at it, but, but what I do know is, you know, the country is communist, right? The, the country mm. really suppressed Catholicism. And so people would die, you know, like I, th- there's literally how many saints, like heaps of saints because they're, they're called the Vietnamese martyrs because yeah. they, they all died for their faith. And I think this translated a lot to uh, my own upbringing and my own kind of faith journey where uh, the faith was very do or die, you know, and I think my parents thought that it would translate to us as much as it translated to them. Um, And I I heard this great quote uh, one time when I was working for uh, the National Council of Churches. They said, because their work deals with a lot of... uh, uh, countries that are in conflict of war. And they said that, you know, the sad thing about the first, uh, first world countries, um, kind of faith is that our faith is quite comfortable. You know, we don't have to die for our faith. Whereas, um, people in Syria or Afghanistan or all these other countries that are sadly, um, experiencing conflict right now, they have to die for their faith, but their faith is purified by that. You know, Mm. people really appreciating the faith 10 mm. times more um, than some of us that live in the first world country because we never had to put that into action. Mm. We never had to really face that. And so that this kind of friction between, you know, my parents having to fight for the faith, die for the faith, you know, see people die for the faith and kind of my own upbringing where there was no kind of, you know, like, like you didn't have to die for the faith, you know, mm. like, quite opposite you know like the faith was um you pick and choose you know like you whether you 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 take it on or not you know uh because everyone else kind of either had a lukewarm faith themselves or or didn't believe in god you know like that's a big rising issue here in australia is the rise of the no religion you know people with no religion and so um yeah i think that was a really interesting friction between between the Vietnamese upbringing culture, the Catholic culture and the Australian culture, it's like um, third world having to fight for your life, fight for scraps. But then the Australian culture where it was comfortable, it was easy. And, you know, Aussies in general and New Zealanders, I, yeah. I expect, well, I lay back, you know, like we're pretty chill, you know, we're pretty like A-OK. And, and then you have the, the Catholic culture put in, which is kind of this culture where uh, if you're really ingrained into it, you kind of push to desire more, like you're, you're made for more and, and you, you really are searching for that more. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a really interesting mix, really interesting mix. And I mean, it's made me who I am now though. So I'm really appreciative of, yeah. appreciative of it. Well, yeah, well, I think it makes, brings up a lot of point, uh, good points. Like, you know, like in a, in a real way, we don't have to like, in a physical way, tangible way, we don't have to die for our faith. But at the same time, it's like we are called to die, you know, die to things in our lives so that we can live our faith more. Um, and so, like like you say, we have to choose to die. Why would you choose to die? <laughs> you know, it's like we, we have Lent every year and there's things, programs like Exodus 90 and various other things. So it's all about purifying yourself. But we have to have those things because we live in an environment where 
dying isn't not only is dying you know frowned upon <laughs> you know it's like no keep me away from dying we don't want to die you know you know we have medical advances to prolong life you know so we want to avoid that um any any sort of discomfort but yeah like and i think when you're trying to translate your faith to other people um it's amazing how much your your life your, or your context has informed things that you just like inherently know it's like like the way you're disciplined the way that you act is like i act like this because of these reasons and sometimes like surely people will pick that up or surely people already know that and like i think i guess like as i've you know entered into becoming a parent i realized like actually no there's all these foundational things that i know that have informed what i do and i'm gonna have to learn how to explain those so that when it comes to you know my daughter's being old enough to start questioning things i can articulate you know why we go to mass why we do lent you know and it's not just because the catholic church says so so you better do it you know um <laughs> but yeah that's that's really cool that's really like super interesting and i think it's a great context for like the discussion we're going to have we're going to go more into like how do we you know, the whole thing is how do we live our faith as a catholic in contemporary time and you're working on something at the moment in your diocese which is about well, it's about community, really, isn't it? It's about, yeah. um, I was saying earlier when we were talking beforehand, it's like the, f the future of ministry is community, but it's actually it's actually the history of, <laughs> like, how did the church start? 12 guys hanging out together. Okay. Right. <laughs> and then what did they do? They left and they started another community. So, mm -hmm. uh, so like, uh, just, can you just give us a brief, brief overview of your um, idea, your dream, your plan, how it's going and stuff? Yeah, so one really cool new thing that we decided to do over at the Sydney Archdiocese was implement this initiative called Households, where basically what we do is it's for young adults uh, in our archdiocese, uh, specifically though right now for young adult leaders, right? So not in the sense that they're leading young adult groups, they can, but as well leaders or ministers that look after youth groups or, or other groups in general. And really the, the emphasis of, of, of households, we have uh, how we're doing in our pilot is we have five guys, five girls, and we have two leaders. So we call them household heads. And the idea is to have a prayer meeting uh, every fortnight at a particular person's house and mm -hmm. we rotate, right? So by the end of the year, we're going through, I mean, if we do the quick math in my head, we should visit twice everyone's house right okay and the beauty of kind of these this household initiative is we've shifted from what we've seen is at the end of the day an events fo focused youth office just doesn't work right like the the youth and young people young adults are just so bombarded with so many events like they're so bombarded with so many events like come to this come to that and what we wanted to do was really tackle the grassroots problem um, that the church is facing right now, which is a lack of community. Like what we found is we're losing a lot of our youth and young adults to uh, organizations or, um, or uh, groups that are really thriving with the idea of community. And what we decided to do, especially during this whole COVID um, lockdown, this pandemic has really torn 
relationships apart and, and has really got us to ask the big question, what is the defining feature of church? You know, mm. like, what, 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 what is church? And at the end of the day, church, uh, like I personally believe, like the world cannot exist without the church, right? And the church cannot exist without communities. Communities can't exist without families and families can't, re- families can't exist without relationships. Mm. And so really the fundamental key component of church is relationship. And I think really Christ, after he performed all these miracles, you know, said and preached all these things, he focused on relationship. And like you were saying, Dom, he focused on building the relationship with the 12 because he knew that if the relationship was strong, then everything else would, would, would trickle down. You know, everything else would, would work, would, would, would click and, and piece itself together and really you know, the, the, the defining feature of church as community is to reflect the Trinity, right? Mm. The, the community of persons, right? And so, yeah, the, the household idea is both evan- evangelistic, but also pastoral and community building. Uh, evangel- evangelistic, because we're not just evangelizing those that are in the household, but what we've been finding is one of the greatest success stories is as we do households at people's houses, the families witness it, you know, and, mm. and some of the, the young adults that come to household, they, their families aren't necessarily the most devout, like they're no, they're, some of them aren't even practicing, right? And, and when they see their kid, right, or their young person um, praying with other young people, they're like, whoa, the, the church isn't made up of 80 year olds you know they're, yeah. they're not made up of seniors like like it's not dusty it's actually <clears throat> young children. um that really is crazy right it's, it's a really huge kind of um fruit that we've been seeing uh and then pastoral because uh these households have had a chance for uh young adults to experience a level of accountability and intentionality that they've never experienced before right they they don't just go to an event and that's it, you know, see you later. Thank you for coming. It's your, you're another checkbox, right? Mm. But for us, what households have done is we've, we've been able to journey with people mm. and what, what we kind of do in the households is we, and households can be very different um, from one household to another, but for this pilot program, what we decided to do was implement a happy, healthy, holy system. And it sounds a bit weird. Uh, rating your happiness, your your healthiness, but especially your holiness, yeah. right? Uh, out of ten. But what we've been finding is, you know, some people that might be nine in happiness, uh, uh, six in healthiness, and two in holiness. Uh, maybe a couple months later, the the score their scorecard is is flipped upside down. And what it's getting the young adults to see is that being Catholic you're not going to be perfect. Now being mm-hmm. Catholic and, and, and your relationship with God isn't going to be perfect a hundred percent of the time. Like the, the real reality of being uh, Catholic is, is understanding that you're going to love God despite the highs and lows that you will experience. And this kind of system, this household is showing that, you know, is, is, is real great human formation that they don't, uh, unfortunately experience in their friendship groups, in their university mm. groups, high school groups, like usually those kind of friendship groups or relationships are built around uh, really superficial stuff, 
you know, mm. like, hey, well, what did you do on the weekend? Hey, like, uh, you know, like how many girlfriends do you have? You know, like all, all, all these crazy kind of superficial sad things, you know, toxic things that we, we find in society. Uh, and yeah, so households has been a, a really huge community builder. And mm. so, uh, yeah, we've journeyed with uh, 10 people and it's been a huge roller coaster. And I know that each one of them, they came in as strangers, but they come out as family. And, and, and I think that's what we're trying to do with households is establish that reality of, you know, that, that reestablish that, that, that fundamental building block um, of the church, which is, which is family, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, th- th- that's the success story so far. That's pretty cool. And like it, thinking about it, it does make a lot of sense. Like I mentioned earlier, like Exodus 90, that's something that I do on an annual basis over, over the beginning of the year. And the, the, like the, the thing that makes it most fruitful and actually doable uh, is the fraternity. So you know, for those who don't know Exodus 90, there's uh, prayer, asceticism, and fraternity are the three pillars of this thing. So like the asceticism is all the horrible stuff like cold showers, no snacks, no TV and stuff. And, like, and that's like, I feel like that's when people think, let's be holy. That's what they think. They think, okay, no more fun. You know, I'm not allowed to say certain words. I'm not allowed to do certain things. And here comes Lent, so it's going to get worse. Um, and that's what people attribute to holiness. Prayer, again, it's one of those boring things. Okay. Get out the rosary beads. It's going to take forever, literally decades. And um, then uh, you've got, but then the fraternities, I think, that make sense of all that. Because with the reflections that come with the program, and again, this program is a program, but like essentially it could just be, I'm going to read the readings every week. You know, it could just be, it's just being a Catholic. They've just put it in a format. Um, so, um so yeah, we with Exodus Night, you've got those three pillars, and really, it's just about living your faith. And the fraternity element is the bit that we overlook. It's like, oh, do I have to meet up with those guys? You know, I don't really know them, or I do know them, but like, oh, I cannot go this week. And having that week, well, with Exodus Night, it's weekly meeting. Having that weekly meeting where you can actually just sit together and say, hey guys, I'm doing a terrible job with this. And you go, you too? Oh, me too? Oh, great. Fantastic. We're all in this together. Let's pray for each other. And then that accountability comes. And yeah, you've got someone to journey with in this because like no man is an island. We were created for each other, for community. And like, as you mentioned, the Trinity, that's all about reflecting the relationship God has. And whereas God is one, he's not on his own. It's three. And that's necessary for the reality of God, which is that self-donating, loving, giving, and you need to do it. Um, you need to you need to give of yourself in order to live that truly. So, um, how in these households, what do people do? They say, right, come over, let's pray rosary, see you later, or what's what's the the vision for that? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Like I, uh, I would say uh, to encapsulate it is households kind of tackle i would say four kind of elements uh not all the time but most of the time we try and focus on providing something intellectually spiritually pastorally and humanly so basically to break down those elements is uh, or to to kind of put them into tangible practicalities is we get together we always share a meal i think that's probably the most important thing out of everything is when you break bread like or when you gather around and have a meal like i i personally love chicken you know like i personally absolutely like 
chicken is the key to my heart you know? <laughs> <laughs> apart from god apart from god right? like chicken is is absolutely a key to my heart right uh and i mean okay okay god chicken i mean it goes god uh my fiance then chicken right? so, <laughs> gonna get the priorities right she'll kill me if i don't mention that right? <laughs> um but yeah like it, it always revolves around sharing a meal and in that meal you can be real you know, like share about your day, like, like, how are you going? Like, what, what are the struggles that you're going through? And then after we share a meal, uh, we go, we always open in prayer. Like we always open in sight in prayer. I think that's really important, important spiritually, because it kind of, um, defines us, uh, up, apart from a friendship group, you know, a friendship group can come together, share a meal, get KFC, whatever, but, uh, household has to define itself spiritually as well. And that's where, you know, always um starting and closing with prayer and, and prayer can can come in in different ways like we've prayed um chaplets before we prayed the rosary we've done uh praise and worship we've gone to mass you know different things like it it, it can come um in different forms uh, but there must be a prayer element uh in there because it has to be christocentric right and then after that we go into the intellectual formation so we usually have a talk in some way uh given by the household heads so me and um my fellow co-leader um we will come together and discern about what we really think the household really needs to hear and uh, that comes with dom i would say uh a approach where it's not good to assume right so on top of households my co-partner or co-leader we have one-to-one catch-ups with the so i catch up with the five lads um individually and she catches up with the five girls individually right and it's this time where we discover what they're really going through you know because mm. sometimes you might not be able to share how you're really going in a large group setting right mm. so it's from gathering <clears throat> all these things as well as looking at the uh the liturgical calendar and you know uh of what we're of what the church is going through that we devise whatever intellectual formation they, they need to receive and then after that we discuss i think that's really important to process and then afterwards uh yeah afterwards we either have a bit of fellowship or we do announcements and then we, we wrap up with the closing prayer it's a really i would say it's not a magical formula Mm. like it's not really um crazy uh i would say oh i forgot to mention sorry in between uh opening prayer and the formation is the human formation of happy healthy holy right, right. Where, we, where we catch up specifically on those three uh but yeah it's it's not some magical formula i, I would say it's very similar to how you would run a youth group a young adults group uh in your parish uh, what makes it different, though, is the intentionality behind it, is that we actually spend the time letting people that come know that they are actually loved and cared for because we're willing to listen to each person, you know, talk about how they're really going through for the last two weeks that we haven't seen them. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and, like, I think there's a lot to process there. Um one thing that came across is as you're talking is like, this sounds like a big responsibility. Uh, and so, whereas the idea of like, oh, maybe if I do a household with like five mates, that sounds a bit more chill. Now it's like, 
okay, there's 10 of us, and now I need to catch up with every single one of them throughout the week, uh, or at fortnight, rather, make sure they're all right, have these conversations, and then we need to formulate something that will happen at the group as well. And, like, first instance, like, kind of, that's kind of overwhelming, but I guess something that I've kind of learned, again, entering into parenthood is this, 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 you often find yourself at this, like, uh, crossroads where it's like, okay, I just want to chill and go on my phone for a bit. However, my daughter's there on the floor, and she's fine. She's fine. She can stay there, uh, and I can go on my phone. Uh, but then she's going to do something, and it's going to annoy me because I'm going to be doing something on my phone. Uh, and then so I'll, I'll, I'll sort that thing out, and I'll sit back down, and then two minutes later it's again, and then two minutes later again, and it's like, I'm getting really annoyed. And the reason I'm getting annoyed is because she's annoying me, but the only reason she's annoying me because I'm trying not to spend time with her when she's right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And then this really applied to like the, well, what she was saying this is like, this is what I feel this is, this is, it's like, I could, I've got two options. I could scroll, I could scroll and scroll and scroll through Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. I can scroll through these things or I can, I can start a conversation with someone and it's so much more wholesome, you know, uh, just, I just send a text, have a phone call. Um, and then you've actually spent your evening doing something, being with someone. And I guess from that, then that would, I imagine what you plan to do in your, uh, fortnightly meetup is based off these conversations, right? Um, so like in the past, what kind of stuff have you done in your formative moments? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. Uh, it ranges from a good variety of things. Like our, our first pilot household, we specifically have young adults that are parish youth ministers, right? Because it's kind of like when you reach a certain level doing parish ministry, you don't become, you don't have anyone looking after you anymore. And so a lot of our formation um, sometimes revolves around, uh, it can be practical to the point where it's about teaching them really great youth ministry skills. Mm-hmm. But then on, obviously, uh, intellectually, it can be learning about uh, saints. Like we've delved into St. Maximilian Colby, mm-hmm. his feast day was recent, um, some other saints along the way. We've also done, you know, sometimes it's not about them receiving uh, knowledge, but they really need to just have a reset in their spiritual life. So we mm. do lectures or we learn about the rosary. Um, geez, what else? Oh, I, I think one really important thing is what we've been seeing is sometimes like the world, uh, I mean, uh, I can't say for the whole world, but in Sydney, young adults these days aren't given life skills to the point where they know how to really do adulting one-on-one. And what I mean by that is the idea of, you know, knowing how to balance, you know, knowing that sometimes it's not good to stay up at 2 a.m. because you have work at 8 a.m., but they do it anyway. Yeah. And so some of the things that we give to our youth, uh, our young people in our household recently was good habit forming. You know, like how do you form good, healthy, holy habits? right uh so yeah it ranges from a very uh we have a suite of different things uh only because the idea of households is to give them a balanced formation you know it's not just about 
all intellectual or all pastoral. Uh, it's not all about learning techniques and tricks, but also realigning your prayer life to God. Mm. So yeah, I, uh, that's what we do in our households. Yes, yeah, so it, it could it quite. I mean, you can. There's lots of resources out there like Word on Fire or um, uh, you guys Perusia over there. There's this podcast mm-hmm. you could uh, listen to at your household. Just uh, anyone who's listening. Um, there's various things out there that we could already listen to, uh, and we could use those. But you could fall into that um, trap of, okay, we're just going to go through a whole of Chosen uh, every two weeks. We're just going to go through an episode, and that's fine, I guess. But like. I guess what you're saying is it's about that intentionality. It's like, why are we doing this? And the reason we're doing this is to be what happy, holy, and healthy. And that involves saying, okay, I spoke to a bunch of you this week, and it turns out we're all we're all following the same trend here: staying up too late, waking up too early, feeling that rubbish. So let's let's delve into Mm -hmm. that a bit more. And so like. There are those moments where you can be actually Bishop Brown did this really good episode. Let's watch that and talk about it, or Pints with Aquinas, or this or that, the other. But yeah, there is that. It's about doing life together, and I think that's really powerful and it's just really beautiful uh, element to it. Because I think, again, uh, I, I've worked in youth ministry for for years, and I kind of got by the end of it, I got very, I was very over the youth ministry program. Uh, we used to run a retreat every year at the chaplaincy I was at. And by the end of my time at the chaplaincy, I was like, you know what? Let's do a silent retreat. <laughs> you know, Let's just get everyone to come here, turn off the phones and shut up for the whole day and pray. And they were like, yeah, we can't do this. This is youth ministry. But, <laughs> but it was like, I was at a point where I was kind of like, I'd run programs for like over a decade. And I was like, the programs don't seem to be cutting the mustard. And so what this household seems to be doing is it seems to be like, okay, programs are good and we can take bits from them and we can use them, but that's not what, that's not what being a Catholic's about. That's not how we survive in these times. That's how we start to survive. That's how it's like, where do I start? Okay, here's a program. Okay, where is this taking me? So I really think that's cool. So, um, how how do you um how do you discern and where do you find resources on these like life habits that you then bring to your group yeah that, that's a great question like i i would say as well like um your your point earlier dom we take a kind of people before program approach right a people before program because at, at the end of the day you won't be able to cater the household to who you're looking after if you're kind of set on thinking that, you know, like if you map out for the whole year, this is what they're going to go through. That's great and all, like that's beautiful. But at the end of the day, it's not listening. Like you're not listening to the context of the time because let's say at the beginning of the year, Sydney wasn't in lockdown, you know, Mm. we weren't like uh, this whole Delta variant, blah, blah, blah. But now we are, you know, and, and if we followed every single step of our program, like if we were more program focused than people focused, we would lose the people, right? Mm. Because ensuring that the program runs well, instead of ensuring that the people are really nourished. Now, this leads into um, the resources. How we found our resources is many different ways. I, I think it's important that first and foremost, we ensure that we are getting spiritually nourished ourselves, right? We are being like, I have a spiritual director, 
I have a, uh, I like to think I have a, um, a consistent, uh, grow a consistently growing prayer life, uh, because of my, uh, singles for Christ community or, um, with, uh, my Exodus group. Right. And so these things are important so that I, I can't expect to find a resource that caters to the household, uh, unless I myself know myself, right? Mm. Like, how do I know what I want if I don't even know what I want? Right. And so our resources come from a, a variety of things. Like, uh, of course, like you mentioned, a lot of them like word on fire or formed or, uh, oh, geez, I, I am doing a masters of liberal arts in theology. So I'm really blessed and lucky to get some resources from there, you know, mm. whether it's um, stuff from um, church fathers or, you know, like really delving into the encyclicals of the Pope or apostolic letters. Uh, but sometimes, you know, not so intellectually heavy. Sometimes uh, it's really great to dive into Father Mike Schmidt, you know, yeah. and, and, and his podcasts and the great content that he creates. Uh, it comes with a, yeah, I, I don't know how to really answer fully the question because we're so blessed with so many different things. Like, mm. um, we want intellectual theological answers. You go to catholic.com, you know, with Catholic answers. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, like what I'm picking up from what you're saying is like, cause just, just as like in youth ministry, you can tend to lean on programs too much. And there's like not necessarily anything wrong with programs, but like if that's all you're doing, you might be missing the point. It's like mm. sometimes podcasts are a great like, you know, staple. You know, you know, you meet and veg, you eat those all the time, brilliant. But every so often, you need something that's a bit meatier, has a bit more nutrients, and that actually comes from things like the Church Fathers. I was going to suggest that, or like even like a like an encyclical or a um, Vatican II document or something. We need to be challenging ourselves and this is bringing way back to the beginning of this conversation we need to die to ourselves uh and say you know what i am stupid this is hard to read i'm gonna read it you know and that's what lent's for no um because like that's one of the things that i've my personal struggle is like you know i've, I've got dyslexia and adhd which means you know i can't pay attention when i can i can't process what i'm reading anyway but because of that i'm like you know Reading's difficult, so I might as well read theology because it's difficult. So why not? And <laughs> I haven't, I can't say that I can remember everything I've read from every book. In fact, I've read some books twice and still not gotten everything out of it. <laughs> but like, I've gotten something out of it. And from that, I've taken it into my faith life. And now it's been articulated in my own way so much so that it's like, I don't recognize where it's from, but it's it's feeding me and I can I can use that. Mm. So I guess, you know, it comes back to that, you know, living life as a Catholic, opposed to just, um, opposed to just turning up to mass on Sunday. It's about saying, okay, I'm actually going to order my life so that I'm with people. Like when I'm sat in front of my daughters, they're playing on the ground, being a pain in the ass, and like, no, I'm going to be there. I'm going to, I'm going to be a father. I'm going to be in relationship because that's what they want, uh, and that's what we all want. And so I'm going to put my phone away, and I'm just going to lie there on the floor and let them poke me in the eye. I'm just gonna, you know, it's it's not, it's not, you know, I was like, what did you do last night? Well, I got drooled on, and uh, you know, my my daughter kept on shoving her hand in my mouth, which was weird. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not like a story that you take away, you know. But neither yeah. is that meme that you shared on Facebook. It's like you're not gonna write home about it, really. 
you're not going to put that in your journal and they're going to look back in, in 100 years and it's like, you know, St. John of Sydney, oh, he liked this meme. That was a good meme, you know. <laughs> but, like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a personal formative situation and it's about choosing. It's like, actually, no, I'm going to choose to build a relationship and I'm going to use this household as a means of doing it. I'm going to choose to grow my faith. And you know what? I've listened to all Father Mike Schmidt's podcasts now. Where can I go from here? There's the Bible. There's the uh, commentaries on the Bible. There's, you know, other theologians. Like, I'm going to challenge myself, and I'm going to put the phone away. I'm going to pick up a book and see what I can get out of that. And I think, um, yeah, I think this this whole movement that you're creating is, is, isn't is just another program, but it is, a, it is that. It's a movement. It's a change of orientation. And I think that's really cool. Um, so I think we've got like, yeah, we've got about 10 minutes left and I wanted to kind of talk to you about how does this work in a COVID world? Cause in New Zealand, we've just gone back into level yeah. four lockdown because of the Delta variant, which is terrifying and exciting all at the same time. So yeah. how do we go from the situation of this, this, this concept that is based around meeting up with 10 people in 10 different houses twice a year um to don't as we've been told not to talk to our neighbors not to step outside not to walk past people on the sidewalk how do we bring our faith to that how do we bring this this orientation towards that yeah that's a awesome question Dom. I, I, I would say first and foremost uh it's definitely not perfect eh? like it's definitely like going from seeing each other fortnightly to now not seeing each other in person you it speaks of the value of it when uh the young adults that we meet now are on zoom for household they're like wow this is totally different you know because one thing that we lose is the people element right is the mm. human element but also sadly enough we lose the food you know? uh, <laughs> the chicken how we've translated it in, in Sydney right now is, yeah, we, we've taken it online, like most young adult groups, youth groups, uh, and obviously that's a struggle. Uh, one thing that's being different, though, is it's so countercultural where COVID right now or this idea of social distancing um, has really literally made people socially distant, right? So people stop talking to others. Mm. People have um, even stopped talking to their family. They're just cooped up in their room, right? And this whole household idea now, we've translated it to Zoom where we still meet fortnightly. Like we, we, we don't break that kind of, um, we, we don't break that, uh, but we meet on Zoom and obviously it's very different. Uh, but the commitment level there really is the anchor for them during this time of isolation and anxiety and high stress they look forward to meeting together, you know, even if it's, you know, 12 uh, squares on the screen. Yeah. It still makes a huge difference for them because otherwise without households, they would not be doing anything at all. You know, they wouldn't be meeting anyone. And what we've done is, I think the biggest thing is to be creative during this time of COVID. The creativity that we've done is like, we've done uh, uh, one thing that we've tried to do is uh, an online escape room, you know, with our household. And that really blew their mind, you know, really bending the limits and leveraging online to make them feel like it's not 
just your uni lecture online or yeah, yeah. you know like you're seeing mass online you know it's so different right how do we break that uh i also encouraged uh and this is not necessary for household too but to redefine the space of where we're at is i encouraged youth ministers to start sending care packages and writing letters you know to their youth and young adults and that kind of approach uh in a covid world has gone above and beyond you know because mm. their family and friends are doing the exact opposite you know they're they're socially distancing themselves they're not can trying to connect at all mm. and so yeah the the space that we find in right now very uh simply to sum up is we've we've taken households online of course it's very different but we haven't changed our formula we haven't mm. changed the reality of doing happy, healthy, holy still, to be honest, that is even more important because it allows us to, especially the health, we don't just talk about physical health, but how is your mental health? You know, mm. like how are you going right now being isolated and alone? Uh, and that's really allowed me and my co-partner, co-leader to really pick up on things and have these one-to-one -one conversations with them through Zoom, you know, uh, that we might've never been able to pick up you know, if we just left it and, and waited, you know. Uh, and of course, on top is our formation stuff is revolved around COVID. We've talked mm. about, you know, how is your stress levels right now? How is your anxiety? How should you keep a prayer life um, during lockdown? Mm. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. I love that idea about the, um, the care packages and the actually writing letters because again, it's, it's, re it's changing your life. Uh, everything's on Zoom. So if we're on Zoom, we're just everything else, you know? So what yeah. makes what makes this household different? And it's it's that person-orientedness. That mm. we're people before program, and the, you know, the program's like, okay, we can run the program online, but the people going there, it's like, okay, I'm going to make sure this week everyone has a package that, and we're going to open it together online or something, or... And and then, but but more than that, it's about that conversion of heart in yourself. Of uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take time out of my day, and I'm gonna write five letters. I'm gonna take time out of my day. I'm gonna think about each person, think about something that they love, and I'm gonna buy it, and I'm gonna get, I'm gonna send it to them, you know, yeah. or I'm gonna get it sent to them. And it's you know, it's 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 a taking away from the selfishness that is so natural to us humans. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I'm it's so easy for me to just be like, actually no, I yeah, I do want to go on my phone. That's actually this is my favorite program and I'm gonna watch this tonight instead mm -hmm. of you know, thinking about those that might need something. And so it's about that self donating love which we see in the Trinity. And practicing that in our lives so that we become changed so that we can change others uh and then the whole th thing about you know, like witness and it's like i love that idea about witnessing to the parents of the people or the other people in the house if it's flat or something because like i think witness is so powerful and when i left uh like the chaplaincy so doing like full-time ministry and went into university life i was like okay so how do how do i convert these people because that's my job now right <laughs> so how do i bring god to these people it's like and i know it's not by talking about god all the time but my plan was and i don't know if it's been effective uh, i guess i'll find out in heaven is just to be 
the guy that everyone's like, you know, he's he's really positive, and actually he's taking all this like stuff and he's taking it really well. And it's like, why is he different? And I guess you know that's what these households are doing. It's helping us to be different for the right reasons. You know. Okay, well, we've come to the end of our time together. Unfortunately, John, it's been an amazing conversation. Uh, is there anything that you would like to say as a sign off for people listening? Oh, well, uh, hmm, let me think. Uh, yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, Dom, like I, I would like to say all, to all the listeners, uh, whether you guys are in ministry or you guys are just um, just average everyday Catholics. At the end of the day, I, I hope each and every person strives and finds community. I think one thing that we can really persevere, like one way that we can persevere and survive or even thrive through this whole COVID changed world right now is through community. Because mm. at the end of the day, when you surround yourself with a environment of accountability intentionality and purpose you become someone that really knows that they are made for more like uh in the sydney in sydney catholic youth in in the archdiocese we have this new mission plan called go make disciples and our interpretation for that in our youth office is the idea that we want people to know that they are made for more like they are more than just what the world tells them and it's through households that we thought this is how we're going to bring that made for more idea about that they are made for more because they realize that through their intellectual formation in that human formation that pastoral formation in that yeah spiritual formation and so yeah to sign off all of you guys that are listening you are made for more and i hope each and every one of you lives and breathes that each and every day of your life all right nice one well, thank you very much john and uh thank all you guys for listening and remember if you want to get involved in the ministry that we are doing with evangelion check us out online at evangelion.co.nz we have some really cool events coming up we're going to get some speakers coming to a parish near you maybe not actually because of covid but we will be getting some great speakers from overseas to give them presentations and give you opportunities to give them uh, live questions and answers so uh pay attention sign up to our emailing list and stay curious and stay catholic god bless